Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. We're going to stand and sing. Let's stand and grab a hymnal from in front of you and turn to 262, and we're going to sing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. pray. Father, we pray that you would be glorified this morning, that you would fill our hearts with praise, with thanksgiving, with joy, knowing that you have redeemed us from our sins. You've removed our sins as far as east is from west, and that you, like a father, have had pity upon us, your children. Lord, we ask your blessing upon this time that we have to 
search your scriptures, and we ask for your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. So how many of you have at some point in your life studied music? Hands up, high. Okay. I'd say it's about 50%, maybe 60%, 50 to 60% of the hands went up. Um, how many of you enjoy singing? I do. I see some of these out there. That's, that's good. That's about 90%. Well, Christians are a singing people, Right? We do it every Sunday. We're called to sing uh, praises. And Christians ought to enjoy singing because we're going to do it for a long, 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 long time. Right? All through an eternity, singing the praises of our great God. Um, some, you know, we could speak our praise, right? And there certainly we have a lot of examples of, of praise being spoken in Scripture, um, shouting before the throne of God and um, shouting praises and reciting um, poems of praise to God. But some praise of God, you just have to gild the lily, right? You guys know that phrase, gilding the lily? A lily is already beautiful, and if you gild it, it's just like over the top, beautiful. And so rather than shouting praises or speaking praises, we're, we, we need to gild the lily and sing our praises. We add melody to words, right? And not just words. Uh, melody to words. We could speak, but there's something glorious about words that are sung. At least you should think so, right? Um, just as there was always an offering in the temple day and night, offering the, the smoke of the sacrifice went up morning and evening in the temple, so the throne room of God resounds with singing. The very throne room of God, wherever and whatever that is, there's music there. There is singing and praise of God there. And there is nothing worse, there is nothing more, uh, there, there is nothing more inappropriate to the glory of God than weak congregational singing, mumbling your praises to God. It's the worst. I mean, it, it just, you just deflate in it. And everybody deflates when there isn't the strength. And then you don't want to stick out yourself and try to lead a whole congregation by singing at the top of your lungs. And so there has to be a commitment across the congregation, across the body, to singing heartily, to singing with a lot of air in the lungs, to singing, yes, with volume, loudly. Volume is the key, okay? Loud praises. Loud praises. 
And so God is not receiving the proper response to his work and his glory when we mumble our praises before him. No matter how ugly your voice is, no matter how tone deaf you are, right? Don't let people who aren't tone deaf intimidate you, right? Just sing and sing with the, with the voice that God has given to you. Um, Little, little bit of conviction here. Shall we reserve our war cries for the football stadium and then mumble through our worship? Right? There are places when our voices get loud. There are, there are times when we will shout praise. Very seldom is that ever done to, to God, who is more worthy of praise than any college football team. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's so dumb to even say it. A couple of, exa- of, of examples of this in my life. Um, from uh, Christ the Word Church up in Toledo, the church I was at previous uh, to here, um, our dear friend Dr. Forney, who is now loudly singing the praises of God in the presence of God, Dr. Forney and David Bailey, the senior pastor there, at, at, we were singing psalms, and they would come down and get in the middle aisle, in the middle of everybody, and forgive my language, they would make asses of themselves, okay? They would sing at the top of their lungs, they would raise their hands, right? They would be looking at everybody as they're singing, trying to urge them to sing, right? And it, it was just, it was awkward. It was really awkward, but it was glorious. It was wonderful because it, it, every time I saw it, I thought of, okay, that's, what, that, that's David before the ark, right? Dancing. They would dance. I mean, you could practically describe it as dance, but they weren't intentionally dancing. And then there was another man in that church named Mario, Mario Dominguez, and he drove me crazy, you know? I'm, I'm a buttoned-up, classically-trained, you know, musician. And I'm leading music, and he, you could see him in the very back of the sanctuary, hands up, eyes up to the Lord, and he would, in the midst of songs, just be shouting praise. I mean, shouting, top of his lungs. Praise God! You know, just like... Praise the Lord! And then he'd go back to singing. And it was distracting. Very distracting for a while until I humbled myself and learned from him and respected his zeal. That, those, those two examples stick in my mind. I could go through a ton of other examples um, of people who helped me to worship and who helped me to see that that it, it was my pride, my wanting to be respectable, that inhibited my praise of the glorious God who cast the stars into heaven. I just, I would hold back because I was proud, because I had, you know, sophisticated arguments for why our music should be lame and unemotional and not lead to shouting, and should be, you know, bow-tie decently and in order. Um, 
And so that's the lesson today. It's sing. Sing. Right? We, we need to sing. And the, this, this goes for everybody, men or women. Right? I think this congregation sings weekly with an A. Yep, you, you can say no, but you're wrong, okay? <laughs> hey, I know there, there are a lot, there's a lot of weak singing in the churches, but this congregation sings weekly, okay? This one does, and this is the congregation that I'm in charge of. So, um, we need to sing in a way that's appropriate to the object of our worship who demands praise, right? Who demands loud praise, who demands faithful praise. And so this is not just about loudness. Loudness comes from the heart. What sort of faith is in your heart when you sing? If you're filled with love and faith and enjoy enjoyment of singing these praises to your God and you're thinking upon his glory, well, your heart will be involved. And then your mouth gets involved, right? I mean, in the same sense, out of the heart, out of the mouth comes what's in the heart. Well, if your heart is filled with awe of the glory of God, awe of his strength, of his power, his omnipotence, the almighty God that will judge every one of us by our works. You know, if you have that in your heart when you come into worship, I don't think you'll be able to mumble through praises, okay? So that's the basic exhortation. So some verses, um, 2 Chronicles 20, 21 to 22, when, we, when he had considered consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord, this is David, and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. So... The armies of Israel were led by the musicians, those who were appointed to sing, right? Isn't that crazy? The last thing we would do before an army right now is put, you know, effeminate musicians out front. And for some reason, music has become effeminate. Music has been given over to effeminates, okay? And yet, it's, it was the men, the Levites, right? These men called to this work who led the armies. And do you think they mumbled as they were going into warfare? No. Man, you're so jacked up at that point. Just the adrenaline, not, not to mention, what are we going to see the Lord do? What will the Lord do as we fight on his side? You know, and so they're shouting praises. And, the, and notice what it says that they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. If you go through scripture and you find those sections of scripture that talk about um, worship, 
That phrase, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting, appears often when it's talking about the setting up of the music. That one phrase. So that's what, that was the task of the musicians, is to praise God because his mercies are always there. His mercies are eternal and everlasting. And that's why you should sing. And that's why your heart should be stirred up to sing, because the mercies of God are everlasting. Every time you come into worship, think the mercies of God are everlasting. And I'm about to enter in to the sanctuary to worship that God who has forgiven me my, all of my sins by the blood of his Son. And you're proclaiming to the world that the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting. You're proclaiming it to the world. Ezra 3.1, they, uh, 3.11, they sang praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Okay, we, we've just gone from 2 Chronicles to Ezra. There's a little bit of a time, you know, period between those. And it's that same phrase, for he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout, literally a shout of alarm or a shout of war or a shout of joy, right? Now they're shouting before the Lord when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So the foundation is built, rebuilt of the temple, and they're shouting loudly their praises before God. Now, why do I insist that praises be loud? You know, doesn't that seem, um, doesn't that seem uh, off the mark? Well, um, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right? So it's, just, it's like the whole, the whole earth is being animated for the praise of God. Right? And the loud instruments are coming together. And and leading the people of God. And, and um, there, there's, this, there's this misnomer, there, not a misnomer, but there's this claim that, that's going around and has been for decades that um, you, you can't have loud instruments leading a congregation in worship because congregations need to be able to hear one another when they mumble. Okay? That's essentially the principle, right? The principle that people have is you have to be able to hear one another when you sing. And so we diminish and diminish and diminish and diminish our instrumental leadership to the point where people can hear one another, but they're just barely whispering their praises, or not even phonating at all, okay? And so what we need is loud instruments 
the loudest of which is the organ, right? Um, but loud instruments to push us to sing loudly, right? And make sure even over loud instruments your neighbor can hear you, okay? That's the goal. And the goal of that is all of it is to rise up out of a heart that precedes you, your mouth, in its faith, okay? But we need help to do that. We need like stupid pushes. And one of the stupid pushes we need is inanimate objects like instruments need to make distinct noises so that we can follow those instruments, okay? And so don't listen to people who, who want to diminish and diminish and diminish the, the level of, of the, you know, the, the decibels of the instruments so that you can hear one another, which only allows you to, to weakly sing his praises. No, we want to fill this place with loud praises to God. And our instruments and our musicians who, who play those instruments provoke us to that, push us to that. We ought to be ashamed if we can't sing loud enough that the instruments overwhelm us. Sing louder. Take a deep breath. Sing louder. Sing your praises louder. Do not be embarrassed by what you sound like, right? The Lord hears and accepts all of your praises in the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? And if, if, all, if you're only accepted by God by the things you do well or perfectly, well, we're all doomed, right? God will never accept anything, but he accepts our praises through his son, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 14 but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute and on the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? That's my argument for having very clear and loud instruments lead us in our praise. We don't need indistinct tones because we won't then be prepared for battle. And what are we in worship? We're the church militant, right? This is the church militant. When we gather for worship, yes, we are praising God, but, but the, res the, the resounding noise of our worship echoes into the world and proclaims Jesus the one way to God, right? And so, right, if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? Apply that to singing. For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning, if then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be the one, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Right? He's talking about spiritual gifts and tongues in that section. We, uh, complicated conversation there. 
but it draws in these images of musical instruments making distinct sounds and um, combine that distinction of sound with the fact that, that the armies of Israel were led by uh, worshipers. They were led by a band, okay? They put the band out in front of the army, you know? Turn the loudspeakers back toward the troops who were marching forward. They didn't have loudspeakers, but you know what I mean, you know? They would have used them if they had them. Think of this, God's throne room. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Can you imagine just the resounding just, I mean, it would, it would hurt your ears, the resounding shout of multitudes of voices, right? And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving, and uh, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. Right? And then Revelation 15, 2 through 4, listen to this. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had been victorious over the beast and his image, and the number of his names standing on the sea of glass, holding guitars of God. Katara, that's the Greek, katara. Uh, it's translated harps. But it's close, you know, it's not really what harps are that we think of. Um, Katara, predecessor to the guitar. And they sang the song of Moses, the slave of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Right? The, the, the singing there of those words of praise to God, the focus is God. Right? His glory, His holiness, His attributes, His glory. Right? And you got... You, you, You're adding your voices to those voices in worship, right? You're adding your voices to the voices of the martyrs who have gone before you and stand in the presence of God. You're adding your voices to the angel who are constantly around the throne of God speaking of his glory. And you can't check out during singing. You just can't check out. you got to you got to get your heart in the right place, fill it with a vision of God. Then, then you have to prepare your body to sing. That's why we stand when we sing. There are also examples in Scripture of standing and singing. That's why we do it. It's biblical. But we also do it so that our posture is ready to make loud noise. You can't sing as loud sitting. You can't, you're not as free. Your guts are all tied up, right? Right? Your guts are all tied up. 
And so, um, so some musical direction here. I feel like this is going in and out. Anyway, some musical direction here. The first and, and most important thing is, is your singing does have to arise from faith. It does have to arise from the heart. And that means that as you see God and he is revealed to you, the awe with which you, you worship a covenant-keeping, long-suffering, forgiving God, that, that will, uh, that's the catalyst, right? That is what will make you a worshiper, right? That Holy Spirit in you, that regeneration, and just the vision of the gloriousness of God. Then, let's, let's um, uh, Paul talked about buffeting his body and making it his slave. Every Sunday when you sing his praises, you are going to have to do that. Right? You're going to have to tell yourself to, um, that you're not tired. You're going to have to tell yourself, you're going to have to exhort yourself, right? And say, I'm not tired, I'm not distracted, I am focused on the glory of the Lord. And I am going to use my body to worship him. Bodies. There is no way for us to worship apart from our bodies, is there? There's not. And so we're going to use our bodies to provoke us to, wor to worship and to better worship. For that reason, we kneel when we're confessing our sins. Because it's humbling. And because Scripture has all kinds of examples of prayers made while kneeling. Right? And so we humble ourselves, and by the action of our body... It provokes us to confess our sins, right? Does it help you to get on your knees? It helps me every week, right? Even, even the men who lead our prayers, our elders, should feel free to get on their knees when they're leading us, right? If it will help them confess, help us confess our sins. And uh, we have a wireless mic that can be used for that beyond this one. So, um, here's the other thing. You need to take in a lot of air when you sing, okay? And you need to be prepared to take in a lot of air quickly at the ends of phrases, right? At the ends of phrases, you breathe. And you got about a half second to take in a full two lungs of air, right? So, at the end of the phrase, you got to go... And you have to get that air in if you want to sustain any sort of volume, right? And so it's like really physical. It's, it's, it's a workout if you sing properly, okay? Here's another thing, and we're going to sing holy, holy, holy again and see if we can put any of these into practice or start to. Sing through final notes of phrases. Any note that is open... Any half notes, whole notes that you see on the page, sing through them all the way to the ends of the phrase. Don't just make every half note or whole note into a quarter note and then lays off for the, the rest of the measure, okay? Sing through them. If we did that as a congregation, 
the power of our singing would immediately increase if we sang all the way through notes, sustaining it through notes, like loudly sustaining those ends of phrases. So try to do that. Yes, it'll be awkward unless everybody else is doing it. The other thing, the other thing, which is one of the reasons why I wish we could project words and not, um, not hold bulletins or books, is that causes us to, to not look at one another when we're praising God. Um, it is important that you encourage one another by eye contact when you're singing. That may be the most awkward thing you'll do in this. It is awkward because we like to be shut off in, in our books, right? And so um, make eye contact when you sing. I need your encouragement, right, when I sing. I need your encouragement when I preach. I desperately need it. I need some feedback, right? Positive feedback. <laughs> I get the negative, man. That's, you can't hide that. But give me, give me some yeses. Give, vocalize some amens even. But um, so, so eye contact. If you have um, men, if you have a lo lower voice, um, do not drop down an octave because then you will, you will not be able to sing half the notes. Basses can always sing as tenors. Baritones have a hard time going low and going high, but basses typically can also sing tenor. They can pop up and, and sing that tenor. And so sing in the octave it's written. Don't transpose it down an octave and then just, oh, oh, you're not, you can't, you can't get the ends of phrases. You can't get anything below um, off the staff. Okay, so stick to what you hear coming from the one who's leading us in that range, unless you're going to harmonize. But harmonies are appropriate, appropriately voiced for your voice, Okay. Um, if you want to sing the bass line, sing the bass line. But if you're going to sing the melody, sing it at the, at the level, at the octave, at the pitch, the exact pitch that um, Ben is leading us with or whoever is leading. Okay? So, so prepare for worship by getting your heart in the right place, reminding yourself that you're not here. Your first reason to be here is you're entering into the presence of almighty God, the one who is, is eternal. And he's glorious, right? To think that he made us and made all things that exist, to think that he has had compassion on rebellious sinners, right? To think that he's, Jesus has gone before us to prepare a place for us to live, we have so much to, to sing about, just, just God's attributes alone, but, but all that he's done for us, we should be singing about. So stir up your faith before you come into worship. Deep breaths. Take it like you're at the doctor's office and they're listening to your lungs, right? Take breath into your lungs. I want to see you sort of, you know, take that in and do it fast between phrases, okay? 
sing through long notes, sustain the pitch. This will take time to build up your voice. But if you sing through notes, what you're going to find is you really do have to take in air very quickly because you're on to the next phrase after a, after a half a second. You sing through it, and then you're on to the next phrase. So work this in. You know, make your body help you worship. And then eye contact. Encourage one another. And why do I say eye contact? Because one of the purposes of music is laid out Colossians 3.16. And it says this, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What does that even mean? How do you admonish somebody with a song? Well, you sing it with faith. And when they sit next to you, mumbling in their unbelief, what do you think you're doing? You're admonishing them to worship God appropriately, right? So just the strength of your voice, the zeal with which you sing is going to admonish those who are singing inappropriately. So sing with strength. You, you are admonishing one another in the very act of singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I don't think that means psalms, psalms, and psalms, by the way. Um, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Admonishments. We're to admonish in worship. It's really strange. You know, we receive admonishment from the pulpit... You know, and that's my job as the pastor, whoever's preaching, to admonish from the Word of God. But the fact of the matter is, during singing, you are then practicing admonishment, right? You are admonishing your brothers and sisters to praise God. You're admonishing. Should our admonishments be mumbled? Do you like it if I got into the pulpit and just said, you know, I, I, I've got some things for you to consider, and maybe they're good and maybe they're bad? Would you like me to do that like a lot of pastors would do? Right? Admonish with just mumbling weakness? Should we be understated in our admonishments, you know, just make them a little bit unclear or always give a, a, you know, a huge exception so it only applies to like one or two people. Um, should, should, should I admonish you and, and feel ashamed? You know, um, I often do, but it's because Satan's attacking me for just doing my work. No, I mean, admonish, you're called to admonish with singing, and so you admonish with strength. No admonishment is effective if it's just mumbled and weak and sort of mealy-mouthed and, and like, perhaps this. That's not admonishment, right? So, so show the way, show the way. Admonish me and my my pathetic unbelief when I come into the worship service, you know, just for whatever reason, admonish me when I see and hear you singing with just like this, 
be so helpful to me. It'd be so helpful to every one of us in here. Young men, I'm especially talking to you. Do not worry about what people are thinking about you. God is thinking about you, and you ought to care way more about what God is thinking about you than what somebody else in the pew next to you is thinking. There is nothing more encouraging than when young men sing loudly. Because you know they're overcoming, they're overcoming their insecurities that are natural to being a young man. And so when they sing loudly, it's like, okay, that, God's at work there. When they're overcoming their insecurities, they're setting aside their egos. What glory, right? So young men especially show the way, and all of us show the way in this and sing in the manner that I've been talking about. Any, any questions? I want to sing holy, holy, holy again now and see what we can do with breathing, with sustained notes, with faith, right? Thinking about the words that we're singing and letting the words instantly inspire us to sing with strength. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Um, 90% of the things we do are unison songs. And so I don't feel compelled to have anything but the words. They're unison. They're not parts. They're not four parts. Oh, you'll feel it. You don't need to see it. You know these songs. You'll feel it. Absolutely. You know them well. We don't have a huge catalog of songs. You'll know them well. I, I, yeah, we can, do, um, we can do that. We can definitely do that, but um, I just don't like adding things to bulletins. And What's that? Yeah, well, we could... It's very hard to put music up there because then it's hard to read. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean we can do that if 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 it would help. But we know these songs. We know when we need to sustain notes. We know we know these melodies quite well. And um, but if it would help, we can do it. Uh, you had. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's great. That's good. That's good. Yeah, Sandy. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't have a scroll with them. They didn't have... I mean, their memorization skills back then would just boggle our minds because, I mean, they transmitted books of the Bible by memory. Good. Yeah. Look up from your... I mean, holy, holy, holy. A mighty fortress is our God. Most of us have that memorized. If you have the first verse memorized, don't look at it. Look up and look around. That's a song. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, just um, and, and try to memorize them. And once you have them, then, then don't rely on something in front of you and, and sing from memory. Yeah. The priests were, were the priests were blasting trumpets and the people shouted. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's an extraordinary example of sound having a great impact, <laughs> literally. So let's stand and sing. Breathe deeply.
Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you have given us voices, and we are to use our tongues and our voices to praise you. Father, I pray that you would stir us up to sing with strength, to sing as a proper response to your resounding glory. May we do so with faith, stir up our hearts uh, to deeply believe what we sing before you as an offering of praise. Help us in this, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.